1: Tries to put me down and says his school is great. I tell him right away, now what's the matter, buddy? Ain't you heard of my school? It's number one in the state. Welcome, toy developers, teenage vandals, Commando Elite, and a special shout-out to the Gorgonites out there. This is a special Monday edition of High School Slumber Party, the podcast where me and some friends look back at our teenage years through the lens of some iconic high school-centric films. I'm Brian Rodriguez, and the study session's with me later. But first, school is still in session, and we have some homework to chat about. This was your assignment, and I would like to see the results. Just a reminder, for the time being, we are on Mondays and Fridays, so you get twice the high school slumber party for the same good old free price of 0 cents. And what helps keep this show free is support from listeners like you. And the best way you can support us is by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts, right? Wherever you're listening right now. Whether it be Google Play, whether it be Spotify, whether it be Stitcher, whether it be Apple Spot, ugh, Apple Podcasts. Though maybe if Spotify and Apple do merge, it might be Apple Podcasts. Who knows? Anyway, that's another topic for another day, for another millennium. However... You really want to get your Slumber Party Captain, me, happy and all jacked up? Tell a friend about High School Slumber Party. Tell a friend about all the great things we do here on the podcast. And of course, like I've been doing every episode these days, want to give a shout-out to all you in the support system, you medical personnel out there, especially health heroes. Thank you so much for everything you're doing. And actually, we have a health hero on with us today. And I know he doesn't want to just be defined by that, but guess what? Just by complete chance, this was already on the schedule, but by complete chance, he was actually featured on the cover of Time Magazine last week, and that's my good friend Danny Kim. He actually wanted to do this movie, Small Soldiers. We recorded it before the crisis, so don't think that like I'm taking time away from health workers to talk about a, a kid's movie, but... You know, we have a real blast doing this. It's a kind of different episode because, I don't know, we don't find a lot to talk about in terms of plot-wise, but we do a live unboxing of toys. We talk about a lot of nostalgia from the era. This is his first time on the podcast, so we talk about some of our high school memories and even middle school memories of when we got to know each other. It's a really great one. I'm really proud of it. And I'm proud of my friend Danny because, again, you have to read this article in Time Magazine. I mean, it's not so much reading as it is looking because it's a photo and video essay i posted it on our social media you definitely want to check it out again and by the way remember class participation is a huge part of your grade so participate on social media participate on facebook participate on twitter participate on instagram or email me at highschoolslumberparty at gmail.com that's highschoolslumberparty at gmail.com whoa 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 the bell doesn't dismiss you I dismiss you. And I don't care if you're being homeschooled. We're going to stick to a schedule. (laughs) Anyway, Time Magazine, guys. Check it out. Um, I think it technically was last week's issue, but it's probably still available. Or check out, again, the website. It's moving. It's, you know, almost brought me to tears. It pretty much did, honestly. And if you're just like, I don't know, if you want a deep dive into what's really happening with the coronavirus, in the New York, New Jersey area, check it out. But honestly, I totally get if you don't. I totally get if you go to this podcast as a distraction and not to hear more stuff about COVID-19. So if that's the case, I do apologize. This will be a COVID-19 free podcast. Trust me. Like I said, it was recorded before. And we just have a blast. So without further ado, put on your favorite jammies or whatever gets you comfortable. Tell your mother you're having a study session with Brian because we're about to get our study slumber party on. Still trying out this Monday format, guys. Just bear with me. So I leave you with a song we actually talk about a lot on this podcast, and it's a song that is featured in the Small Soldiers soundtrack, and that's War, but not the Edwin Starr version that you might be familiar with. The Bones and Thugs in Harmony version that was made just for this movie. Class dismissed.
2: I wonder what it would be like to sail on an ocean of the bitter tears of those who lost their loved ones to a stranger. How many stadiums could you fill with all the people killed in war? Now you look me in my eyes and tell me what it's good for.
0: Okay. I'll stop, I'll stop. No, no, you can record this like, material for it. <laughs> you want this on the show, is what you're saying. Yeah, it's relevant. Okay. It's relevant. okay, okay but so m- you, might, you might ask about this, so I'll just shut up. Okay, if I don't
1: ask, yeah. remember it. I don't
0: All need right. to, like, blow everything out in, like, the first, like, 30 seconds. <laughs> 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 it's like, up, I'm done. I got nothing else.
1: <laughs> Danny Kim, thank you so much for coming on. It's a long time coming. When you expressed interest in being on the show, I was actually surprised. So thanks
0: for having me. Yeah. So when I got Instagram back, I started seeing a lot, a lot of your posts on, uh, on Instagram on the feed. So when I started seeing that, I was like, oh, I started listening to your podcast. And the first episode I listened to was was Surf Ninjas with Chris. And then I got a huge like FOMO boner. I was like, oh, I'm like missing out. This, this sounds like a lot of fun. So that's when I texted you like, oh, like I gave you a list of movies that I want to talk about which included Small Soldiers and what was the other ones? Like Ready Player One, Election, and a whole bunch. And yeah, we uh, agreed upon Small Soldiers.
1: <laughs> no, uh, you know, I was excited. And, and I saw you started liking my stuff. So you came back to the Instagram, and that's mm-hmm. awesome. Now you're here on High School Slumber Party. and But again, we were high school classmates. I love having people I went to actual high school with here. And we'll definitely talk about that. But people in the high school slumber party introduce themselves by saying their name, your high school, your graduating year, optional. We don't want to be ageist. But again, I said we were classmates, so it's obvious. And the high school team name.
0: Sorry, what was it? Name. <laughs> I got to write this down.
1: Name, name. high school, high graduating school. year, high school team name.
0: Okay. Hi, my name's Dan Kim. I went to Northern Valley Old Penn High School. I graduated in
1: 2005, and our high school mascot was the Golden Knights. Go Golden Knights! Yes, you know, we went to school together. We went to school together since you know I moved to Ulta Pan. Technically,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, we we knew each other even before high school. What
0: year was it when you moved to Olathe? Fourth, fourth, fourth grade. Fourth grade, right? Fourth grade, and yeah. then we did we did the assets and Basis project. <laughs> that was in eighth grade. What was it? The science fair. Was that eighth grade? Yeah, I guess. Eighth right? grade yeah, science fair. We had Martone.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God! This is not middle school. Uh, Slumber party, but we will get into middle school a little because you brought that up. That was, it was funny because like we we're not definitely not dumb people, but we like would group up together a lot just because one it was fun and two it was like a mix between like getting the job done but also being a slacker.
0: Yeah, and you also (laughs) had like a lot of creative good ideas as well that I saw.
1: What was our project called? What the hell was it called?
0: Oh, the science fair project. Yeah, yeah. Um, so our project was about the study of acids and bases. And Which, by the way,
1: we thought was going to be so much cooler than it was. We <laughs> yeah. thought we were going like, to get like cool acid. Yeah, I just wanted like... to pour things on
0: with acid and, and just like melt things.
1: You like corrode the yeah, computer yeah. I'm looking at right now. Like That was like the dream, you know? Yeah,
0: but all it was was just a measurement of pH. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Essentially, like, oh, vinegar, that's a base. But it was called, uh, was it Amazing Acids and Bases Galore? Right. I just remember we were like, we want to put galore in this... <laughs>
0: No, I think it was like we uh, we were trying to come up with a catchy title, and we came up with amazing acids, and we were stuck on bases. Oh, that's so. Up. So I think you came up with galore. We're like bases galore. Yeah, like just like like a shrug of the shoulders. Why not?
1: I remember when it came science fair time. Like they only let us use like I think it's called phenothaline. Which is like something yeah, like that, right? Retailing. Like It's, like a, it's just it like a dye.
0: Was, it was a pH indicator. Yeah, okay. Yeah.
1: So, like, it doesn't do much. Uh, but on the day of the science fair, our, our teacher, I think Mr. Martone, mm-hmm. we didn't say these words, but it was kind of similar, like, hey, we're kind of bored. Can we, like, use a, a more powerful acid? I don't know what he was thinking, but he was like, yeah, why the fuck not, you know? He didn't say those words, but yeah. we ended up going into the science lab and getting like a... And it might have been just like nothing, right? Like a more powerful acid. It was uh, hydrochloric acid.
0: Okay. Yeah. It was hydrochloric acid. And when I was... I remember when I was collecting the acid and using an eyedropper to put it in a smaller jar, I accidentally exposed my finger to the acid. Yes. I felt it burn. And I, I dropped the eyedropper into the, into, the, into the big jar. And we just we were just like, fuck it. We just left. And then I remember that night we were like, "Oh, these, this is hydrochloric acid C," and we would like we had a we had a steel bowl of tissues and we were like burning the tissues. <laughs> and then a few months later in eighth grade science class, Martone he brings out the the jar of hydrochloric acid that we were using that night, and he goes, "The, the, the content, the, the fluid was black." Because <laughs> he's like, You're yeah, right. this is hydrochloric acid, but something polluted it. I, I think it, it might have been the rubber eyedrop yes, that melted. It was. It was just us.
1: <laughs> well don't send like two like knucklehead kids yeah. to go get freaking acid in the mm. middle of. Oh my god, <laughs> yes, but that was eighth grade. Normally, again, I asked my first-time guests like what their high school experience was like, and feel free to share. It, but again, I had it with you. I kind of know what it was like. I do have some high school memories. Mm-hmm. with you and again you went on to like really use this i well i guess i'm podcasting now so i technically did but uh we were in like media tech club mm-hmm. one year i don't know if you remember that yeah and we had our entire free period and yeah. what was her name um coniglio coniglio yeah. yes coniglio it was like i think the av club had like a bad reputation like they the, changed it to media Tech. yeah so they changed it to media yeah. tech so we used to hang out there we used to have a good time and Again, you know, one of your many, many pursuits was photography, so I, it made sense there. And I was going to say, I really didn't have any business being there, but um, I guess I'm podcasting now, that's a media. <laughs>
0: yeah, it, it was just one of those, what, what did we have in high school, CE's, Curriculum Extensions? Well, no, that
1: was middle school, right? See? No, no, it was high school. No, electives. Just oh, electives. was it electives? Yeah. Yeah, so Yeah, but it technically wasn't an elective. We just what went. What was it? It was just a club, right? We just went there in free period, like. Oh, that's right. We had free periods. Yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> we're like cool, we can eat lunch here and stuff.
0: Yeah, I guess it was cool. Like it was a quiet room. Canigli was there, and she was okay, I guess. And <laughs> she would she would call us once in a while to set up an overhead projector or yeah. plug in it or get the TV card. Yeah, bring the get, yeah. bring a TV. Yeah. Was there an elevator?
1: How did we get, like, downstairs TVs, upstairs and upstairs TVs downstairs? I don't ever
0: remember taking an elevator to high school. Right? Yeah. There must have been, like, some TVs downstairs where they stored in a closet. But I remember doing all the work upstairs, though.
1: Yeah, mostly. Like, it was occasionally, like, oh, yeah, like you said, bring the DVD player to this room or stuff like yeah. that. You know, we'd have to go, like, film But, you know, like, the students did
0: get excited when, like, <laughs> when they saw the TV cart come into the classroom. It's so true. Just <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be an easy period. Yeah, yeah. like, oh, right. Yeah. Remember, you
1: just walk in and the TV's
0: there. Yeah. Yep. Oh, man, that was such a small pleasure, like, in life. Just it's a TV so cart roll in.
1: silly because like if you think about high school and i know high schoolers listening out there you're like oh high school's hard and it is hard being a teenager i'm not saying it's not hard yeah but it is super cool that you're just like hanging out with your friends and like learning and stuff and like mm-hmm. in between that you're hanging out with your friends like yeah it's it's pretty awesome and like you don't have to worry about bills i'm sorry i shouldn't say that cuz i know like there's a lot of high schools out there who i'm talking about our specific like upper middle class northern new jersey Mm-hmm. high school living I don't think many of our classmates had to worry about like paying mortgages and stuff you know right it honestly made college I think a little bit more difficult because like I didn't feel mature wise prepared for college coming out of there maybe like mm. knowledge wise but like you know it was just kind of fun and games but like you said the simple pleasure of seeing like oh we're gonna watch a movie yeah. <laughs> even if the movie's about nothing. Yeah. Um, I wanted to bring this up because we used to talk about this a lot. Ch- chemistry class, the world of chemistry was a video that uh, our chemistry teachers used to show a lot. Who did you have for chemistry? I don't even remember her name. I had,
0: I had Mr. Fimble. Th- Isn't he biology? Was that biology class? Chemistry. What?
1: Chemistry was like. Oh, was it.
0: No, that was f- Dr. Sealing?
1: Sealing was physics, so I had too. Chemistry was like a couple different teachers, but they all showed this world of chemistry video yeah I'm gonna play the song for you (laughs) okay because like we used to talk about this song a lot yes I remember (laughs) now I love
0: this (laughs) the random science
1: montage (laughs) my favorite part my favorite part
0: Oh, World Hoffman, of yeah, course. Okay. Yes, and, yes. And he used to open up and, like, what does yeah. what matter? He'd be, <laughs> yes. he'd be
1: by, like, a, uh, like a waterfall or something. He'd be like, what does matter? <laughs> you know, like, is it everything around us? You know, that song has been in my head since I started this show. Mm-hmm. And I've always wanted to integrate it, but I can never find, like, really? a reason to. Okay. You know? So I, I want to think of, like, eventually, like, a category, like, a... A quiz I can ask people related to chemistry I guess where I can throw in this theme song What There's year was chemistry was that was that sophomore year? Yes but uh, someone made a dubstep version of this song and like it doesn't have a lot of views so it's not like popular but it is awesome like and, and I just whoever you are, I want to just like give a shout out to
2: The vehicle we ride is a science called
0: chemistry. Here we go! Vehicle we ride is a, is a science we call chemistry. That's what he says. <laughs> I love Rolf Hoffman. He's like the Werner Herzog of like science he, teachers. He really
1: is. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's the Germanness. ness I'm not sure.
0: But The German, the, the introspection. <laughs> Wasn't chemistry and physics like... Split half and half sophomore year. I'm still I'm stuck on this, sorry. Like, I'm, trying, <laughs> no, I'm still trying uh, so to remember. So, we didn't
1: have to take a science senior year if we didn't want to. Yeah. Um, I don't think I did. First year was biology, mm-hmm. second year was chemistry, and I just remembered I had Dr. Foley. Foley? There was Foley, Lovelace, and Heidelberg. Who was Fo- Foley was a lady, right? They were all ladies, but there was an Dr. old lady. Foley. A young lady and, like, a middle-aged lady. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dr.
0: Foley rings the bell, but I still have no memory of chemistry class. And then,
1: yeah, physics was junior year and then senior year. Most then, people didn't take the science. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> regardless, you know, it was a way to work this in. I've worked it in. <laughs> do you have any memories of high school, or what was high school like for you? Like, do you... Um, who <clears> were you in high school? I think I was a lot of
0: different people in high school. High school was really awkward for me. It was just, like, really trying to find myself... But I didn't find myself because <laughs> I, I was really distracted by things I wanted to do, like different activities. Like one thing I did was like marching band and like, and I was like, oh, like, I really like this. And I was really committed to it and really try to get good at it. And or like it was uh, I did stage crew sophomore year and I got really into it. So I would like really get into things and really invest myself and my time into th- these things and like pursue them. And... You know, and I learned a lot, like, getting into different different activities, so that's not, like, all my high school experience, but that was the, the bulk of it, and also, like, getting into girls and learning how to talk to them. It was just really awkward, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's an awkward
1: time, but yeah. I feel like you're still like that today. Like, you've done, like, a number... When I say you've done a number of jobs, it doesn't mean, like, you know, you were, like, unemployed and searching, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you've changed careers, I should say, a couple times, And whenever you've done it, you've put your, like, 100% effort into it. So it's something that, like, if you say, like, you're right, like, I guess it's something you always had, you know? Yeah, I like doing things. Like, I like being
0: productive and...
1: You're not a half-asser.
0: Yeah, I guess I started in high school. But if I... I'll half-ass a lot of things in life, but, like... If there's something that I'm really into, then I'll just do it.
1: I mean, it's awesome. We were talking about this the other day, you know, when you were at, like, New York Magazine at your age. Like, you can't downplay, like, how hard you worked at the time or even what you're doing now, how, like, hard you work at such, like, diverse fields. Like, there's something to that. and It's weird because you brought that up, and I was like, you know, you're so right. I don't know if it started for you in high school, but it seems like it did because you did, like you said, with the marching band or crew and stuff like that. Like you really like put 100% into it. a hundred percent. I became
0: an EMT in high school and that still carries on today. Mm-hmm. So, but there is, there is a sacrifice involved in that too. It's like, I, I do forget that like I need to just relax and just hang out with my friends and, like, remember that my friends are doing podcasts. and like, yeah, hey, I, I should
1: participate and just, like, not think about work. Well, I'm glad you remembered here, and sorry for bringing up work. <laughs> Forget about the adulthood. Forget about career stuff. We're talking a film today, Small Soldiers. I was surprised... When you uh, picked Small Soldiers, but you know what? You came with some packages, so mm-hmm. I'm, pre- I'm really excited to talk about this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Why Small Soldiers? Why was that on your list?
0: Um, so when I started listening to your podcast, there was a lot of nostalgia involved, mm-hmm. of course, especially the 90s. I, I feel like we are children of the 90s. Of course. We got to experience the, the height of it. It was totally the generation of like kids rule.
1: you know I always think like the Burger King Kids Club yeah you know like do you remember that like they had like different people like not people like they were like kids they were characters yeah characters Uh, Kidvid yeah yeah Yeah, yeah. Kidvid wheelchair. yeah yeah but you're right it's totally right like just it was like yeah let's do it for the kids I feel like the entire history of the world dare I say maybe you know this is exaggerating but like kind of ignored kids yeah there was always like maybe puppet shows and shit but like in terms of media, like you, see, you start to see cartoons in the 70s, and, and obviously there's a lot more cartoons and shows in the 80s. But then the 90s, it was just like Nickelodeon and shit. Yeah, like, it just blew up. Blew up.
0: So many different like outlets and merchandise and movies and media. When I thought about Small Soldiers, I was really excited about the idea of Small Soldiers and the, the year it came out in. Uh, not specifically the year, but the time it came out in because of where the economy was, where movies were at the time in the late 90s. Mm-hmm. And then I watched the movie, I'm like, this movie's okay, but we'll get into that. But <laughs> it was at the height of movie merchandising. Mm-hmm. And I might be biased, but I, th- I I do think 90s was the greatest decade for children because I might be biased because I that's what I experienced, mm-hmm. but just the amount of options that kids had back then, it was, like, it was amazing.
1: It was this little, like, period, right, where we had a lot of options as kids, but I feel like the parents hadn't yet realized, or I shouldn't say realized, but, like, became aware to be, like, super helicopter parent you know? Yes, yeah. It was like, hey, watch this, and that was okay. It seems like parents now, like, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing, by the way, but maybe it is, I don't know, I don't have a kid, but, like, parents now kind of curate what their child watches more today? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And in the '90s, it was like, here are the options. This is all the great stuff. Do what you got to do with it.
0: Yeah. And, and they knew less, like about what affects a child or not than today. <laughs> they had they had less information. My previous landlord, she has a five year old son, and I went to, I went out to go buy a birthday gift for him, and I, I ended up buying him a uh, like a. Transformers, like, robot helicopter mm-hmm. toy. But she was like, oh, oh, by the way, like, no guns. No no toy guns at all. And, like, the 90s, we're, we had, like, the toys were hyper-masculine, <laughs> grotesque, and violent.
2: and <laughs> Especially small, for
0: boys, right? Like, yeah, absolutely. Boys' toys were, like... Either violent or gross, right? Like, oh, he's he a
1: booger toy. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's like creepy crawlers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> creepy crawlers. Do you remember Boglins? What's that? Wait. Bo- Boglins was like a... Boglins. Yeah, you got to look it up. Bog- Boglins was like a... It was like a hand puppet, but it was like really grotesque, and it had like eyes that move around. It was basically
1: a monster hand puppet for kids <laughs> in the 90s. Yeah. I always think of like Polly Pocket versus Mad Mighty Max is his name? Mighty, Mighty Max. Max? Yeah, yeah, Mighty Max. Yeah. Polypock was Oh, dainty, we're gonna go to the mall and buy and buy uh, you know, purses and stuff. Right. And then like like Mighty Max was like, Oh, we're in a cave and right. you know. <laughs> the the old values were still there. But they just made they just packaged it so much cooler back then. <laughs> packaging was big back then. Yeah. You know, you couldn't like YouTube something. It was just like packaging was really important. No, but you're totally right, and this is a high school film meaning that the characters are supposed to be high schoolers. However, it was definitely a film that was geared towards kids, especially towards, you know, we'll get into like production-wise on why. Mm -hmm. But uh, do you remember the first time you saw Small Soldiers? (laughs) Actually, I don't. So this is really funny.
0: I remember the King commercials more than than the actual movie. (laughs) So I remember the merchandising more than the actual movie. Wow. I think I, I must have watched Small Soldiers first time, renting it from Blockbuster, but I clearly do remember watching the Burger King commercials for the Rodeo Burger, which is a cheeseburger oh with barbecue sauce and onion rings. I remember getting, those, getting that and Burger King. And that was King. Small Soldiers theme? Yes.
1: we got to find a commercial. Yeah, yeah. We're going to put a clip of that yeah. because that's <laughs> hilarious. Major Hazard, you left the base without authorization, proceeded to Burger King, and ordered a...
2: Rodeo Burger? I've served this command for over Answer the question! Did you order the Rodeo Burger? You're darn right I did. It was flame broiled and delicious. Burger King salutes small soldiers with a tasty new Rodeo Burger. Cheese, onion rings, bullseye barbecue sauce. Right now, part of the 99-cent Great Taste menu. That Rodeo Burger, it was pretty tasty, huh? You can't handle the Rodeo Burger. If you ask us, it just tastes better.
0: And I would get it all the time. It was like a limited release. Also, um, recently, the same cheeseburger, like, came back in Burger King with like they Oh, really? Yeah, it was like a, it was like an onion ring cheeseburger with, mm, like, with like barbecue like sauce. But it was the same thing. But they didn't call it a rodeo burger and like they didn't... Of course, they didn't promote small soldiers. <laughs> and I got it recently because I was so excited. I was like, oh my God, it's the rodeo burger. And then when I got it, they forgot the onion rings.
1: What? <laughs> <laughs> That's a letdown. Yeah. <laughs> Every week I read like the back of the VHS or the back of the DVD uh, just to give a sense of you know, what people were thinking, like, if you were theoretically rented this at Blockbuster. Mm-hmm. So here goes. This is very typical of the age, by the way. Big action. Big fun. Big movie. Small soldiers is one huge adventure. Meet the Commando Elite, toy action figures with attitude. They've escaped their boxes along with the Gorgonites, kind-hearted but unusual-looking creatures. Now teenager Alan Abernathy gets enlisted to help the Gorgonites and rescue the girl of his dreams before the whole town is turned upside down. Small Soldiers is a spectacular adventure for the whole family. Very general there, but very 90s, like the, the back of that. Yep. We always joke on the show that the people who write these like haven't seen the film. They just like look at the cover art and like, yeah, let's take a guess. Yeah, for the whole family, because...
0: You know, I think movies during that time, it's like, let's just get everybody in the theaters it's with just one movie.
1: <laughs> they thought less about niche markets and mm-hmm. more about, like, the more people we can get in here, the better.
0: But what was it during that time? It was like, was it that the production houses had so much money? Like, let's like, just like let's just fucking make everything. Like, let's just make <laughs> everything. Was that it back then? They, they just had so
1: much money? I think it's philosophy, honestly. Yeah. I think it's just like, again, family movies are... I'd argue in the late 90s, early 2000s especially... Art, and I'm using air quotes, like, took a little bit of a hit in terms of, like, how it was financed. I think people were just trying to make money in terms of, like, the films. You don't see too many, like... There are some, but you don't see too many, like, art house films, like what you would later have, like, Searchlight or, like, Focus Features. You wouldn't see Mm -hmm. that in, like, 1998. There were some. Yeah. You know, and, and those, like, awesome for them. But it certainly wasn't like a focus of the studios. And this was a film that very much got the studio treatment at a certain point. Uh, The director's Joe Dante, who, Mm -hmm. you know, from the Roger Corman School, we've talked about that here on this podcast before, but his -hmm. most famous film was Gremlins. Right. And this was supposed to be kind of like a Gremlins.
0: Yeah, it's, it's Joe Dante. He does inject a lot of Gremlin, like you say, he does a lot of the same things mm-hmm. that he did in Gremlin in this movie. And he, he literally takes a Gremlin figure to in one of the shots and, <laughs> yeah. puts it, and puts it in the shot. It's like, <laughs> we get it. You made Gremlins. <laughs> but it's also like, um, it was totally riding on the coattails of Toy Story, which came out three years prior. Yeah. Uh, I, think.
1: I think something like that. Yeah. yeah. Two reasons. Yes, the toys and also the amount of CGI use, mm-hmm. which was still very novel at the time in the 90s. Like to see the toys do this was like, holy shit. And the movie was supposed to be, like Gremlins, like a scary teenager flick. Not scary in a sense of like, oh my God, but you know these kind of movies. I think originally it was intended to be a more older teenager adult movie.
0: And then once the... The sponsors and the merchandising sponsors came in. They're like, "Whoa, like this movie's PG thirteen. Like you guys gotta tone it down and take some scenes out."
1: Exactly. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. And you can kind of tell because there are moments where you think it's gonna like push to the edge, Mm -hmm. and then it just doesn't go there. And they toned this movie down so much, and they wanted it to be a like summer blockbuster hit, and it was a hit. It didn't hit that hundred million dollar mark. Uh forty million dollar budget though is a lot. I imagine a lot of that is CGI. But it made seventy million dollars, so thirty million dollar, you know, mm-hmm. profit there. Which is good, but it's like I'm really curious how good this movie would have been if it was that kind of like Gremlin style thing. Because they're trying to like clearly push an agenda here. Not in a bad way, like push a message here, and it definitely gets toned down to be like more of a kid's movie.
0: I was actually surprised when I Rewatched it for the podcast. I remember the movie purely as a kid's movie, mm-hmm. and there were a lot of adult like situational themes in that movie as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and I was like, wow. Like, and then and then I looked it up. I'm like, what is this? What is the rating for this movie? And I was like, and right before I I met you, I I googled it, and it was PG-13, and
1: I was kind of surprised. I was surprised, but it wasn't. See, the thing about PG-13 is right, like it's parental guidance if you're under 13. Mm-hmm. So they knew they were going to bring. Kids in because kids aren't going to go to the movies alone under 13. It's very rare. Yeah. I feel like while this is a PG 13 movie that was like the best they could do with all the violence, that like a lot of kids still saw it anyway. Um, And you mentioned the Burger King tie in was huge. There was a video game. They had the toys. Yeah. So going back to uh, Burger King. So I found out that
0: along with the rodeo burger and the small soldiers <laughs> like commercial that went with the food, they had a lineup of toys. And their what was their uh, kids meal called Happy Meals. I think it's just kids meal.
1: Kids meal, right? Birthing so kids meal.
2: Yeah. Okay, boys, fan out. Move, move. Go, go, go. Small soldiers are invading Burger King. One toy inside every delicious dollar ninety nine kids
1: hamburger meal. Two new toys each week. Twelve in all.
2: Man, find the Gorgonites! and you. Where's my booster chair? If you ask us, it just tastes better.
0: It came with the lineup of the small soldiers toys, but there was a disclaimer on it saying these toys are suitable for all ages, but the movie is not. Oh, really? So, and also, if the parents didn't like it. They actually had a choice to exchange it for Mr. Potato Head toy. Yeah. So again, with the whole Toy Story yeah. thing. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's awesome. I love that. <laughs> I don't know today, and I like to say, oh, Happy Meal toys aren't as big as they used to be. But we don't know. We don't watch like kids' TV shows. Like you watch Nickelodeon now, and you're like, oh, they do still have toy commercials. Yeah. But back in the day, if you can get a tie-in with McDonald's or Burger King, yeah. you were like the it movie.
0: Yeah. Like I was actually surprised that burger king was so conscious about the the movie ratings but it does make sense because like you never see like a happy meal coming with like alien resurrection toys or, You know, <laughs> like, or what else what else like what else is a movie that could make potentially cool toys that could be in a happy meal let's say
1: 1998 in film if it's 1998 what could have been a toy now I think face prob- off, <laughs> face off. I think Godzilla probably had toys, even though like it might have been PG thirteen, like yeah. that Godzilla. Mulan, of course, definitely had toys. But Armageddon, that probably wouldn't include it. Pie, The Big Lebowski, <laughs> like, funny toys. A, toe, a plastic toe. <laughs> <laughs> Something about Mary. Oh, Pleasantville came out that year. That's a movie we're gonna cover on this podcast. Ooh, Ronin. I haven't seen that film in a while. American History X. That would have been great in like. That. <laughs> <laughs> you get the point.
0: Were you a toy person growing up? I mean, um,
1: when you were a kid, did you, oh, were, I definitely you into toys? Was.
0: I definitely was. So what, what toys were you into? So
1: I loved, like, action figures. You know, I had, like, the Ghostbusters line. The problem is, like, I was a chewer, too. So, like, none of these toys have value anymore because, like, I would just bite things. Like, okay. <laughs>
0: you did like to chew on uh, empty soda cans back then. Yeah. Oh, back in the day. Yeah, that, that's a high
1: school story. I don't know if we've told that on the podcast, but I think it's been alluded to. We'll, we'll take a little side story. It'll only take 30 seconds, but I watched the film Platoon. This is the first DVD I ever bought, Platoon, in, in high school. Was it Apocalypse Now or Platoon
0: that was in your top top favorite movies. Oh, I love Apocalypse Now. Okay. I do love Platoon, right. but yeah.
1: Apocalypse Now today is more my style, you know? Yeah. I guess I'm more of like a um, a Coppola than a, uh, you know. I don't know. I like all, like, so like Kubrick has Full Metal Jacket, which I mm-hmm. love. Coppola has Apocalypse Now. Oliver Stone's not in that class, no offense, but... He's Platoon. Whatever. Like, I saw Platoon, loved Platoon, bought the DVD. It was awesome. And in Platoon, for some reason, like, one of the guys, I think one of the Dillons, it might be, like, Kevin Dillon or something, like, he's in, like, the barracks and he's, like, taking a bite out of the can and, like, spits it (laughs) out. I'm like, that's so cool. So I used to do that at lunch period a lot in high school. And you would start bleeding. One time, I really started bleeding. I bit the can, and I split my lip, and I had to go to the nurse. It was pretty awful, but... You know, like, early high school and late high school, you're, like, almost different people. Yes. Um, Early high school, I was kind of known for the biting soda cans and and splitting my lip open, like, eating ketchup packets, Mm -hmm. those kind of things, and I wouldn't be caught dead doing that in late high school, so... (laughs) Yeah, we we became too self-aware in high school. We are just... Too cool for life. <laughs> too cool for school. <laughs> but, you know, I'm a big wrestling guy, and I used to collect, like, wrestling figures. And in the wrestling game, you know, if, if you will, you used to have, like, a fig fed, which is, like, a figure federation. So, like, mm-hmm. before bed, you have your figures, and you stage the whole, like, you know, the whole card. You know, like, <laughs> first match, last match, who's your champion. So I used to have a lot of fun with that as well. I was a big toy guy. It's a shame because kids today, like just from like my younger cousins and stuff, yeah, they have toys, but it's not nearly as many. I guess that's great for the parents, but a lot of yeah. it's electronics and stuff. Yeah. For me, like, I loved action figures. I used to have like Jurassic Park obviously, but I used to have like Congo action figures. yeah you
0: know? <laughs> I was a totally a toy person too. Like I was into action figures. Star Wars, G. I Joes, um Captain Planet.
1: Captain Planet, wow. Um, Captain
0: Planet. What else? And I'm gonna rock your world. A lot of it was Star Wars. Like I was like really hardcore about collecting Star Wars Mm -hmm. uh, action figures because I was just so invested in the Star Wars universe. Especially when the special edition release came out, and I was like, "Oh, I love Star Wars." That's when they like buy
1: that. Threw the toy like they threw up. Yeah, the toys was, at oh, the Batman
0: Us. Forever was a huge. <laughs> <one. Batman, laughs> you right. Batman Forever in particular, because I <laughs> I don't know why I loved Batman Forever. I guess it was the timing of when it came out. Yeah, but definitely. Batman Forever toys. I was all in. Godzilla toys. The one with Godzilla with Matthew Broderick mm-hmm. toys. I was all into that, and I stopped buying toys. I think the last line of toys I stopped buying was 1999 or 2000 Phantom Menace. I definitely owned toys <laughs> from Phantom Menace and I was like, "Oh, like maybe I'm too old for toys or whatever." <laughs> Who cares?
1: Like just fucking buy toys. I should have because yeah. like now toy, the toy market is like higher than ever. I mean, you if you have Netflix toys that made us has definitely helped that. But people sell toys on eBay for crazy amounts and Oh yeah. I yeah. see an eBay label on the packages that you've brought. Yes. In preparation for this podcast, I went on eBay and bought a Archer action figure. Oh my god. Like I love how you did your homework like this. This is awesome. Like and no one prepares like this. And a Chip Hazard. Oh my god. Chip Hazard
0: still in the original packaging, still ah. in the USPS wrapping. I like how this guy wrapped the the box too he like wrapped it in brown he knows paper what he's, no he
1: knows what he's yeah. doing like like this. that's a toy collector right there I, is it like the, the brown paper
0: bag because so you know how like most packages come in just the taped cardboard of box like the Archer one but this guy he wrapped it in brown paper brown paper and taped it up and it looks like just the packaging looks really nice and you can hear the the paper tapering.
1: let's look at Archer first okay
0: because I think our main event here is going to be Chip Hazard okay Let's so, do this. I'm so, so excited about this. So Archer came out of the package um, without his weapons. I think I I think I spent like $26 on eBay. So it's a Lucy. It's yes. not in the package. Yes, it's, not it's a Lucy. It. Total Lucy. I opened the box already. So Yeah, yeah.
1: So let, let's see what Archer... Yeah. Now, now, I don't think it's the scale of the movie. No. But it's still pretty cool. Yeah. I actually... I don't know if it was me. It might have been my younger brother got some small soldiers toys. Wow, this is awesome. Because this is like <laughs> sca- figure scale, yeah. you know? And you could see like the hands for the weapons, archer emissary of the Gorgonites. I love it, and and they totally want these to take off. I don't know if people actually ended up collecting small soldiers toys in mass because I don't think there was like a second release of like a different line
0: of them. No, I don't. I don't think the universe was big enough, and people weren't. it, It was just like a a single one time movie that people weren't invested enough to start collecting and. You know, there wasn't a, a storyline or universe that people get yeah. involved in and they want to start collecting the merchandise like Star Wars or, you know, any other big franchise like that.
1: But it's a really, like, detailed figure. Um, you know, it has this, like, quiver. You, you don't have the arrows in here. This is a really cool figure. I like this a yeah. lot. Who was it that
0: made these toys? Um, Kenner. It was Kenner? It? Yeah, Kenner, which is now under ha- Hasbro. Kenner made Star Wars. That's yeah. It. So, Kenner made these six-inch figures just like the one we have right here. And they also made a lineup of twelve-inch figures, which is more similar to the that was presented to the yeah, movie. Yeah, because the movie. the movie
1: like price it says in there, is seventy-five dollars. Yeah. So
0: the twelve-inch dolls also talked, and the, the packaging oh was the packaging was like the ones in the movie with the big plastic uh, casing, and everything. But these six-inch standard figures were like any other. Yeah, because when you're a kid, you really want the six-inch because they can interact with your other figures. Right. I was know? never into like twelve-inch like figures because th- then it started to feel like a doll yeah honestly, and I was like, into as that, as that as like, yeah. Yeah. I always like the small detailed figures it was just like really impressive
1: as like like a thing that was made you know absolutely yeah no figures are great so let's open this Chip Hazard before you know we'll talk about the movie guys I promise but there's not much to talk about this movie honestly <laughs> would you like to do the honors I, f- I will if, if you're gonna yeah, let of me of course alright this is a live unboxing guys on the air I'm very curious and this is also a six-inch chip hazard. Yes, in the packaging. In the packaging. Wow, this is like tough. I don't know where. I that... think
0: I spent like. I think that was like maybe thirty-five or forty dollars. Jesus I mean, Christ! I... You
1: don't have to spend that much. <laughs> I can't even. I need like Do a need scissors. Nicole. <laughs> Nicole. <laughs> no, 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 no! It's for the podcast. Do you have a. Can you hand us a scissor? There you go. But it's for the podcast. It's not. No, no, no. This is. He, bought, he paid thirty. Yeah. Brian is now. I know he's using
0: his arrows. It's a Lucy. Brian is now unwrapping the brown paper. I want to get that uh, sound in wrapping, unwrapping wrapping paper. paper. Yes. Which now presents as a white
1: USPS box. <laughs> Nice, throwing it on the ground. <laughs> All right, let's let's get this bad boy open. This small soldier's original release. <laughs> Imagine you open it; it's woody. <laughs> <laughs> That'd probably be even more valuable. So, like, it'd be like good for you. It's a Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what? This person used plastic bags ah, as insulation. plastic bags. I was like impressed. Where with are those plastic
0: more? bags from? Let me see. <laughs> Minimax? Where's their Minimax? Have you heard of Minimax? <laughs> What's Minimax? I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> wow, look at that. Though. Oh, cool. Chip hazard oh, nice.
1: original original case. Okay. Why don't you read the back of that? I'm curious. Alright, so we
0: have a uh, six inch chip hazard action figure here, Ages four and up. Chip hazard, the platoon leader of the commando elite with a firing combat blaster. So he's he's in the The combat fatigues like you see in the movie, there's like a a rifle, like a long gun, and then there's like another large missile launcher with like a plastic missile that shoots out of it. Okay, Commando Elite. (laughs) Created to be relentless war machines, the Commando Elite do not understand the meaning of the word quit or mercy. Oh my God. (laughs) experts in combat strategy and weaponry these guys will stop at nothing to rid the universe of the mortal enemy the gorgon knights destruction carnage havoc it's all in a day's work for a commando elite the self-proclaimed heroes of the galaxy this is for 4 year olds and up it's so you know? crazy and they're they're promoting destruction carnage and havoc but i don't think the kids read this maybe like
1: no. like who actually reads this like the back of it maybe the Collectors. adults but but whatever it's funny like Watching this this time, it made me, like, so aware that this is the first and maybe only film that I've seen that, like, American soldiers mm-hmm. are, like, not, like, there's not a gray line. They're the bad guys. Oh, yeah. They're, they're
0: clearly the bad guys. <laughs> Actually, this, this movie kind of reminded me of Avatar, too. The, mm. the, the dynamic between these human mechanized soldiers versus peaceful, like, collective people living in the jungle.
1: Think of that. It's 1998. Mm-hmm. The Cold War is over. It's just a U.S. hegemony, and we could like look at ourselves and be like, maybe we are the bad guy, <laughs> you know? <laughs>
0: yeah, and I think at the time, maybe like the late '90s, like I guess around that time, people would be less offended of how I don't know how we would be represented in mm-hmm. in media or movies. Yeah, but I think it was less of a touchy subject than it was than it would would have been like today or during the Cold War or anything like.
1: That. I don't want to get into too much politics on yeah. this show, but there's definitely like a like. Don't insult the military kind of um, mode today. I don't know if this movie gets made today, mm-hmm. with like the U.S. soldiers being the bad guys like this. So it's very interesting. So are we keeping it in the case? Or are we letting it breathe? No, let's let's open it.
0: Let's let it yeah. breathe. Let's all let right.
1: it breathe. You do the honors.
0: <laughs> the cardboard backing comes off very easily on this. It's been on there a probably long the, time. Yeah, probably the glue is like all dried up. It's been on there for oh, wow. over
1: twenty years. This is a
0: very nostalgic experience. Opening, right? yes, opening the <laughs> packaging of an action figure. There's always a plastic backing in front of the front plastic case that holds like and, the yeah, smaller pieces, perfectly. the weapons. All right, so we got a uh, major
1: chip hazard. Major chip
0: hazard standing right next to Archer, similar height, same
1: build. I like him better at six inches. You're right. Like, yeah, anything large like a twelve-inch action figure just ends up feeling like a doll. It's hard to play with the 12-inch action figure. Six inches are perfect. So, so there you have it, a Chip Hazard. I can't believe we're talking about small soldiers with Major Chip Hazard and Archer, Emissary of the Gorgonites, face-to-face. Now I'm into it. Let's do this. Wait, uh, I gotta try this. You gonna try to launch the missile? No, I'm
0: gonna try to uh, activate it. Ten, hut! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> nope.
1: These are just the 6 inches. Or uh, Halt, who goes there. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, when this movie was being concepted, I mean, it's pretty obvious on one side, like the uh, Commando Elite are based off of like G.I. Joe, mm-hmm. but the Gorgonites are based off of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. While we don't have a He-Man, you get kind of like the feel. When I was a kid, they always reminded me of Thundercats. Uh, what, the Gorgonites? Yeah, the Gorgonites. Yeah. Like, they're more like yeah. in the Thundercats. I think universe? Archer is
0: a cat. By nature. Yeah, yeah. Like, the cat, like, licks him in the movie yeah. and stuff. At first, I thought he was a dog. Like, uh, who's that Muppet
1: Muppet Babies character? The one that's a dog? Oh, Rol- Rolf. <laughs> Rolf. Yeah, we <I> was reminded <laughs> of Rolf. <laughs> they have, like, a, a cool look, and I can't wait to, like, get into just talking about, like, some of the things in the film. Cast and crew, quick. The lead is played by uh, Gregory Smith. Alan Abernathy. Alan Abernathy. Um, he's been in stuff recently, I guess, but I um, wasn't too familiar with him. Who I always remembered from this film, though. Well, a lot of people, but first was like Kirsten Dunst. When I was 11 years old and like Kirsten Dunst was like, I was like, wow, this is a pretty lady here. Even though like she's yeah. not that old or anything. But How old was she in this movie? She must have been... So she was 16 when she shot this. So okay. I don't want to say anything like gross about her now. But when I was an 11 year old kid in the theaters, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> This is a pretty lady right here. <laughs> I don't think I had
0: any of those thoughts when I was eleven. I was, I was probably thinking about it's like, would I buy these
1: toys or not? <laughs> no, I wouldn't. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't like super perverted or anything, but I remember thinking, this is a pretty lady. I'll put it that way. <laughs> um,
0: Jay Moore and David Cross. Oh my god! Okay, yeah, so, so, I, I totally so. forgot
1: they were in this movie. I'm like, oh my god, it's Jay Moore. <laughs> so this movie might have some of the funniest people. <laughs> In 1998? Yeah. Not in funny roles, you mm-hmm. know? Like you said, David Cross, who's, like, it's funny, but he's not, like, peak David Cross. Jay Moore, he's funny, but he's not, like, doing comedy. But right. you have Phil Hartman in his last role ever. Yeah. And I love That's Phil That's crazy, Hartman. right? The hard-ass CEO who's supposed to, like, drop the hammer is Dennis fucking Leary. Okay? Dennis Leary.
0: And he plays the same character, again. Like... <laughs> Like the of Sandlot or any other movies It's funny
1: because like, Dennis Leary like in stand-up is not like that. But Dennis Leary like in a movie is like you, like a disciplinarian for some reason. Exactly. Like, what the
0: hell's the deal with that? <laughs> Kevin Dunn plays Alan Abernathy's father, Stuart Abernathy. Mm-hmm. And, and
1: I like Kevin Dunn. He's a comedy guy, but he's not mm-hmm. like slapstick. He's not like stand-up comedy or anything like that. But he's been really good on like the last couple seasons of Veep. He's been awesome.
0: I thought his character was like the most distinct out of the whole cast that... Made sense in the movie because he was like the struggling toy store owner who was like really against technology and he drives like an old school Beetle. Like he has a very strong identity in the movie. But now, today
1: like when we watch it, we can see the character. As a kid, you're not going to know it's a character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Like him and his wife escaped the big city and he's probably just like, I'm gonna open a toy store, but for real toys, like yeah, you
0: know? <laughs> like ooh, Tinker Toys and wooden boats. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're not gonna make money doing that, but nice philosophy, buddy. He expresses how much he hates technology throughout the movie.
1: Yeah, and he's proved right, like if for the film. Yeah, and then a lot of the other people. I, I don't want to go through everyone, but most of the people who like people r- might recognize are like voice actors. Mm-hmm. Um, so originally, Joe Dante wanted the cast of Predator to play the commando elite. Okay. Um, he wanted Arnold Schwarzenegger as Chip Hazard. Yeah. Shane Black as as Kip Killigan. Carl Weathers as Butch Meathook. Jesse Ventura as Brick Bazooka, and Sonny Landom would play Nick Nitro, and Bill Duke, of course, as Link Static. That would have been awesome. Yeah, that would have been really cool. <laughs> How cool would that? That would have
0: that probably would have been like the strongest thing in the movie. <laughs> yeah, like that
1: would have been so cool. But it would have like... been the most consistent thing in the movie. But
0: now, but instead they have. They have Tommy Lee Jones as Chip Hazard. Mm-hmm. They have uh, a lot of old school voice actors and well, actors instead, in general. Well, instead they decided to, yeah.
1: besides Tommy Lee Jones, and Tommy Lee Jones was hot off of Men in Black, you know? Yeah. Kids would even recognize his voice. That's why it was a big deal. But they decided to use the film The Dirty Dozen as the base instead. Oh, was that it? Yeah. Okay.
0: No, Because when I, when I was looking up the names of uh, the voice actors in the Commando Elite, like Ernst yeah, Ernest Borgnine. Yeah, Ernest Borgnine. Ernest, oh, Ernest Borgnine, Borg uh, uh, Clint Walker, George Kennedy. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, these are like really like old school, old school actors from a earlier generation. And then you have Bruce Stern as
1: Link Static. So Bruce Stern replaced someone from the Dirty Dozen who died mm-hmm. right before it got filmed. I mean, you get Bruce Stern. That's pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. So that was like the ploy. But I don't know if like kids are gonna connect with that. Or yeah. even adults at that point. As much as the D- Dirty Dozen is a classic film, let's be honest, if it was Predator, that would be so fucking Right, cool. right. Because <laughs> it's within the same generation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think it's a little uh, too far removed. But great that they got all these guys. Yeah. Um, some of them have very distinct voices, which is awesome. So the Gorgonites, Frank Langella, Oscar nominee... Is the voice of Archer, and he's awesome. Like even as a kid, I was like, Archer's so distinguished, you know. But because you know, just for fun, I guess they decided to make the other voices uh, people from Spinal Tap. This is Spinal Tap. Mm-hmm. So you know, you have people like Christopher Guest.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, I, he was a uh, slam fist and scratch it, punching punch it and scratch it. Yeah,
1: scratch it. Yeah, Scratch It was the one on top of Punch. Oh, okay, the the little frog like uh creature. Yeah. Harry Shearer is Punch It. Jim Cummings is Ocula, but Michael Mc- McKeon is Insaniac. Hmm. Insaniac was the typical character you would see in like nineties kids' movies. Like, oh he's crazy, so that's funny. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everybody
0: needed that, like he was like the unhinged, like
1: comedic break. Yeah. You know, in, in every sort of cast. So right off the bat I'm gonna say this. The biggest, like, issue I had with this movie watching at this time is, like, too many fucking one-liners. Like, this whole film is one-liners. Yeah. Every toy says, like, one-liners. And they're funny. The, by the end of the movie, I'm like, all right, I get it. Like, you know? <laughs> everything is a line from something else. Like, yeah. everything is, ha, 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 ha. I think when I was a kid, I really appreciated that. Like, oh, I know that line. That's hilarious. And watching it now, I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. Like, build something with your dialogue. Not just have... 1 million one liners and everything. I get it, but I think they hit like hit it too little too hard.
0: Yeah, after watching this movie, I was like, "Oh shit, I'm fucked." i I'm like <laughs> I'm like what's there to talk about in this movie because everything about this movie is pretty let's say it's tepid. There's no character arc. The character arcs are very lukewarm. <laughs> the script is very lukewarm.
1: Well, for the, the script that we can see, right? Like, yeah. I think if you know, if it ends up being like something like again, like Gremlins, it might be a little bit stronger. I I
0: was like really trying to I mean I watched it I watched rewatched some parts and I was like, man, maybe there's like some sort of deeper like archetype I can like look into and in some of these characters or like or like a character arc that can be explored but it's like no I couldn't I couldn't find anything. Like every situation between every character was just like very straightforward and very flat. Like <laughs> like for example the, the relationship between Alan and his father. Like obviously there's also there's there's a trust issue between them. Mm-hmm and they dabble into alan's personal history how he got kicked out of two schools and did they specify what what he did in school Was he said like, he did like a little bit of graffiti. oh yeah graffiti like, i don't really
1: see coming from this
0: kid to be <laughs> honest with you, but okay yeah so that's that's why they had to they had to move and you know switch schools and everything and then during the climax of the movie when there's a lot of action basically the the resolution of their relationship is like dad you have to trust me. Or, or like, no, his dad goes, son, you can't go out there. And he goes, dad, you have to trust me. And then their relationship is fixed again. And even at the end, after all the destruction that the toys made, Dennis Leary lands in a helicopter on the street and starts handing checks
1: out to everyone. He goes, everyone's like, oh, okay, never mind. God. So I wasn't sure where this change was made on the marketing. A lot of places indicated that it was after it was all shot. And a lot of places indicated, too, that it was, like, during the shooting. I don't know what they shot. I wish they, like, they definitely still have the footage somewhere. I wish they did, like, give me an R cut, you know? Mm -hmm. Give me a cut that, like, what Joe Dante wanted. Because I'd love to see what the original intention was. Like, this film suffers from being too wishy-washy to appease its sponsors. And it is what it is. I get why they did it, but... I would love, like, just, like, an original version, because you're right, like, you try to search for meaning in this, there is a little bit of meaning in a sense. It's clearly, like, anti-war, you know, it's, it's anti-militarization, um, the way that the commando elite speaks is so propaganda, like, almost like hit-in-your-face propaganda, that, we're supposed to be like, oh, America, these soldiers protect us. Is it anti-war, though? Because you do
0: see shifts in the Gorgonites and Kirsten Dunn's character when they do start to become violent and when they do start fighting back in order to <sighs> survive.
1: Um. Yeah, no, I hear what you're saying there. I, I don't think it's like completely 100% anti-war, I should be clear. I think it's more anti-militarization, you know? Right. Anti-like what the army has become and even extended to even today. Right. It's like
0: command and conquer without any reason. It's like they were just purely programmed yeah. to destroy the Gorgonites without questioning their orders or anything.
1: And is that not, you know, again, I don't want to get too political here, but is that not like a lot of like military doctrine today? You know, like your ordered to do something, you go do it. Mm-hmm. You know what this movie reminded me of on a higher level? Starship Troopers, you know? I think on a certain plane that this could have achieved what that was in terms of, like, propaganda. And we're not Mm -hmm. supposed to take this so seriously. We're supposed to laugh at the commando elite that they're too serious with it. Mm -hmm. But because of, like, the toy tie-in and the dumbing down for kids, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I don't think it achieved that. But maybe it could have. I'd like to see another cut of it. It's also the image of the Mm hyper-masculine,
0: high-tech soldiers versus the primitive, disgusting, you know, savage aliens. Which is back to Avatar, right? Right. Back to Avatar, (laughs) back to Star Troopers, you know. And not to get political, it's like like the War on Terror, too. Like, you were fighting these hidden people who are wearing, like, you know, garbs and cloth that are hiding in deserts.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I think... I again, I don't want to get political, but it is a lot like that, right? Like, the enemy is supposed to be weird and different. And the Gorgonites, again, were originally created to be, like, fun and peaceful. Like, it wasn't supposed to be like that. And they're, like, forced to be the enemy here. This movie could have been so much more than it was. Early on, any like favorite scenes or anything like specifically in the film you want to talk about?
0: Um, yeah, actually, I mean, this scene kind of like I was like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> it kind of sh- kind of like threw me off guard. It's when the commando elites they invade Kirsten Dunst's house and they go into Kirsten Dunst's bedroom and they find all the Barbie dolls in the shelves. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and now uh, the commando elites they go like, "Oh, like hubba bubba!" Like fully poseable, <laughs> like really really perverted bombshell. <laughs> bomb yeah.
2: Take a look, sir. Bombshell, sir. Fully poseable. <laughs> Hello, Dolly.
1: <laughs> mm,
2: sweet stuff. R and R, sir? Uh, request a three-day pass, sir. Denied. Ah. Gentlemen, this is the new army. Those are reinforcements. Bring me the head of Nick Nitro. Move.
0: Really perverted one-liners. And then I remember this one shot, it was like he says like fully posable, and then there's like a shot of the bed, like the Barbie bed <laughs> in the dollhouse. <laughs> and one of the one of the soldiers go, like, oh, like requesting an R and R. And I was like, yeah. oh, what's an R and R? So I looked it up. Yeah. So it means in the military, it means rest and recuperation mm-hmm. or rest and recreation. And during the Vietnam War, which I find a lot of these soldiers were designed after the Vietnam War era, especially like the movies like Platoon and Apocalypse Absolutely. Now. Absolutely. Yeah, like they're definitely an homage to mm-hmm. a lot of previous war movies, specifically the Vietnam, Vietnam War era movies. And there's also the shot of Chip Hazard in front of the American flag puzzle, which is totally like, uh, what's that movie? Um, Patton. Patton, yeah. So um, one of the soldiers, I think it was... Um, who was it, Link Static, requested an R&R after he sees the, <laughs> after he sees the Barbie dolls on, on the shelves. And, you know, they're, like, displayed, like, they're, sh- they're filmed as if they were, like, sex objects. Like, they were shot of, like, their legs, like, going up yeah. to their bodies, and they were wearing these costumes and everything. So R&R in the military during the Vietnam War was a five- to seven-day leave, rest and recuperation. And the most popular destinations were Bangkok, um, Hong Kong, Manila, Singapore, a lot of southeastern Asian countries where prostitution was very common. Oh yeah. And the most popular destination for single soldiers were, was Bangkok. Um, Makes and sense. For married soldiers, it was Hawaii for like to meet their spouses. Yeah, I was and just going to
1: mention that. I know R and R from again. Wait, I can't believe bringing this up again. But platoon, mm-hmm. what's John C. McGilney's character like right before the big battle? Is like, hey, can I get some R and R to meet my wife in Hawaii? And like, uh, Tom Berenger's like, nope. And he's like, you know, I was like, i got a bad feeling about this. Like, it's like a big uh, scene in the movie. And that's how I know R&R. But, but yeah, you're right. Like, yeah. married people went to Hawaii. Single people went to Bangkok. So
0: did you know Pattaya in Thailand in the 1960s? It was a fishing village until the Vietnam, Vietnam soldiers came in. That's when it became like the biggest red light district. Oh, and wow. And the soldiers there used to—they would say it was the I and I, which means in, intoxication and intercourse. <laughs> so it's just like I don't know. It's like I thought it was pretty funny that like they made that R and R reference in like
1: supposedly this kid's movie. Well, that's that whole scene to me was a throwback to what this movie should—I don't want to say should, but could have been. Yeah, you know. I'm sure that's like one of the scenes that Joe Dante
0: got away with. Uh-huh. He's like, at least let me have this one. You yeah. Know?
1: And by the way. The two main like uh, they're called Gwendy dolls because obviously they don't have the Barbie trademark. Oh yeah, Gwendy dolls, yeah. But the two called. main ones are voiced by Christina Ricci and Sarah Michelle Gellar. Really? So oh, I didn't uh, know that. was it, that
0: credited? I didn't, I didn't even know that.
1: I don't know if it's credited, yeah. be- but it's it's you know something I looked up. <laughs> it's very 1998. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, that was like a really a fun and interesting scene. The toy store stuff I think is cool. I love that toy store again. I know those toys wouldn't sell, but like you said like the boat and stuff. The inner child. Yeah, the inner child. Like that that's like a terrible name. Yeah. It's like kind of creepy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is. I love um though when Archer and then eventually the Gorgonites. Knights. Even as a kid I loved this when they're like in his room and like really just trying like be themselves and learn and stuff. And they call, um, again, the main kid, I forget his name, but one of his titles is Keeper of Encarta.
0: Yes.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Hey. What the heck are you? You're not like any toy I've ever seen. Come on. Speak up. Greetings, Alan, now shut up. I am Archer, emissary of the Gorgonites. Mm Mm-hmm. I think you're smarter than you're letting on. I bet you're smart enough to get my name right. It's Alan, just plain Alan, that's all. Got it? Greetings, Alan. I knew it. Walk to the end of the table. Don't play dumb with me. You know what I'm saying? Defender of all Gorgonites, keeper of Encarta.
1: Keeper of Encarta? You were using my computer? You know, Encarta and all these encyclopedias were so valuable before the internet. Because no, I should say before the internet. Before high speed internet. Right. Because to look up a fucking picture back in the day, it would take you like an hour to just get a picture. But if you had the CD for Encarta, you could look up all these cool things, and I spent hours on Encarta, and if, in 1998, if I pictured the world of 2020, that, like, encyclopedias would have literally, except for Wikipedia and stuff, would have literally, like, no place in our society, I would have been like, That's impossible. This is the keeper of our knowledge. And I just love how Archer like the whole Windows thing, you know, how like, you know, he they're trying to get to Gorgon, which is in their minds, Yosemite. And just like searching on Encarta and even today we again, like I said we still do that on Wikipedia like you click one thing you click one thing you click one thing yeah. and and Archer ends up doing it too. And I love that. Even on this watch like one, nostalgia with the whole encarta thing. And two just like just it's his early computers and but even till today just like that that encyclopedia trail we make, you know.
0: You know like every time a movie has some representation of technology of its time. Mm-hmm. It, like, a it, it movie always ends up dating itself, like with Encarta and the Globotech uh, commercial in the beginning. <laughs> like, all that, all that stuff looks really cheesy today. Mm-hmm. And there was discussion of remaking Toy Soldiers um, recently where the soldiers, where the toys would, like, they would basically run amok in the toy factory. But if there was, like, a scene where they would, like, make a reference to, like, oh, like, Wikipedia or, like, iPhones... And we watched the movie, like, 15 years later. I'm always curious, like, how how we would view the technology that was represented at the time when the movie Mm -hmm. was filmed.
1: Yeah, because you even go, like, in terms of, like, uh, Phil Hartman's satellite dish, like, (laughs) getting all these channels, you know? (laughs) By the way, even till this day, like, when you said that you wanted to do this movie, like, one line that stuck out to me before I, like, rewatched it was, like, Phil Hartman watching, like, his big TV, and he's like... I think World War II is my favorite. Yes.
2: (laughs) I think World War II was my favorite war. Sounds like
0: Dan Ferrara. (laughs) (laughs) He's been on the podcast before, yes, but like, I think he's eating potato chips too.
1: (laughs) But like, on a simple level, Even on a thinking too deep level, the fact that in 1998 Americans sit back and sit on the couch and be like, "Yeah, I have a favorite war." Like, yeah, you know, remember like History Channel in 1998, it was all about that. And like, yeah. Not that I don't watch war documentaries today, I do. But oh god, I just love it. You just Phil Hartman has such a great voice. Like, we lost someone very dearly. Like, Phil Hartman back then was hilarious and popular. Phil Hartman today, I guarantee would still be doing shit. Because his delivery and, like, just the way he is is just so awesome. Uh, as a kid, I didn't, like, watch news radio or, like, SNL. But, like, I saw him in this or, like, Jingle All the Way. Uh, stuff like that. Like oh, I love Phil Hartman. Rest I think, like, we, we
0: need a Phil Hartman today more than ever. <laughs> I, I agree. <laughs> I agree. This movie, like, surprisingly had a pretty bold soundtrack. Oh, yeah. It's in my yeah. notes. I do have a random memory from high school. hmm you had an RCA MP3 player <laughs> did i yeah <laughs> oh god and i was like oh let me check that out and you let me listen to your uh, your MP3 oh, player boy. and the first song that came on was was "Killer Queen" mm-hmm. by Queen, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh, like it was actually the first time I heard that song too." And oh, really? I was like, that's a really good song, and it was just a very strong, vivid memory I have. Every time I hear the song, I'm like, "Oh, I remember Brian and B Hallway upstairs." Well, that's cool. I was
1: hoping. I mean, I was glad you said that instead of something else worse or something
0: <laughs> <laughs> like the uh, World of Chemistry theme song. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we get a Queen song on this though. We get another one, "Bites the Dust." Yeah, but uh, I distinctly remember um, Edwin Starr's "War." Yeah, they really tried that to was promote that in this film. Yeah, but it's funny because like Rush Hour came out the next year, and they also like really focus on that song "War" by Edwin Starr. It was a lot of cool like old songs and on the
0: soundtrack. Oh, you know what? I think I had I I did buy the soundtrack really. Um, when the movie came out, yeah, because I was a huge fan of the song Surrendered by Cheap Trick. Oh wow! Yeah. And I and that was my favorite song on the CD. And I and there was the uh, the war the war track on this on the cd yeah. release it was like a remix by bone thugs and harmony what yeah and that was never in the movie but like they had their own original like remix tracks on the actual soundtrack they used to do
1: that on soundtrack, yeah. so i'm not surprised yeah. you're right yeah. they have the edmund star war as the yeah. last song but the first song bone thugs and harmony wow flashback they had a music video for this see it's like them in like a wrestling ring yeah
0: so we're playing the bone thugs and harmony <laughs> war music video and it's a remix of uh, Edwin Starr's War. Uh, you see the, uh, the the group members of Bone Thugs, they're like in this post-apocalyptic, futuristic, <laughs> uh, like mit- military sort of uh, get-up with like armor and goggles. And they're controlling Chip Hazard and Archer, who are these life-size figures in a boxing ring, and they're fighting each other. So... <laughs> I feel like this was like this was like a big trend in the late '90s and early 2000s in music videos, where like a lot of it was like I don't want to say steampunk, but, no, but I know exactly. But it was saying. it was like this post-apocalyptic. Like we're hitting the
1: year 2000. This is what right. Happened, like it went
0: like said. Power Man 5000, or like <laughs> or like, <laughs> exactly, or exactly or like right. Static X, or even like the Tupac music video. Um, what's the one um, California? California? It, yeah, it looked like, like Mad a Max um, Mad Max yeah. scene. Yeah
1: even to, honestly, even, like, to, like, later JLo videos get like that, you know? So yeah. the internet or, like, you know, like... <laughs> it was a whole Y2K anticipation. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you really, like, I hadn't thought about that music video mm-hmm. in ages. You're, you're totally right. Yeah. But so, so this soundtrack has ten songs that are, like, wow, I might, like, get this. It's not on vinyl because, like, they weren't really making vinyl back then, so I don't really buy CDs anymore, but... It's War, that version, Bone thugs in harmony Another One Bites the Dust. Mm -hmm. The Stroke by Billy Squire. Love is a Battlefield, Pat Benatar. Rock and Roll by Gary Glitter. Uh, Love Removal Machine by The Cult. Uh, My City Was Gone by The Pretenders. Surrender by Cheap Trick. Tom Sawyer by Rush. Which, like, Kirsten Dunst is strangely, like, listening to in this film. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then War by Edwin Starr. And two songs not on the soundtrack... But were featured in the film were communication breakdown by Led Zeppelin, and it's rare that Led Zeppelin lets people use their songs. Yeah, (laughs) that's crazy. And then "Wannabe" by the Spice Girls. (laughs) All right, that
0: was such a strange scene when they use psychological. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't they use psychological warfare and they play "Wannabe" like really loud? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. That was a fun scene. But there was a part in that scene where like it was after the chorus part where, where where it gets to the verse. There was like five or six seconds in that scene where. The music worked really well with the shots, and it was like a really seamless. It did, I don't know, no. and I kept playing that scene over and over. <laughs> no, not that scene, that shot over no, and I over know what again. what saying? Yeah. Because I'm like, this really works, and like it, it totally changed the tone of the movie for like <laughs> for like a good like five or six seconds, and it worked really well.
1: <laughs> <clears throat> I re- always remember from that scene like Kirsten Dunst, who's again 16 in real life, but like probably we'll say 16 in the movie as well. I'm not sure. Who's like? Oh yeah, the CIA uses against Noriega, and I'm like, yes. How did, like this girl's really smart? Like, what, what kind of sixteen year old is talking about like CIA tactics for Noriega? But so,
0: do you know what songs they use against Manuel Noriega? He was like dictator Panama. Yeah, do tell. So, so they use uh, "Give It Up" by Casey and the Sunshine Band. <laughs> <laughs> no more, Mr. Nice Guy by Alice Cooper. Oh, uh, "Paranoid" by Black Sabbath. Welcome to the jungle, Guns N' Roses. <laughs> <laughs> Just awesome. <laughs> Want a dead or alive? Bon Jovi and the end by the Doors. So it was like a. I don't know. If, I don't know if it's like a. I mean, those are like. When was when was the the conflict between the Marines and Panama? Was that like the early nineties, late eighties? Yeah. I imagine. Yeah. So those were like hit songs for that time,
1: which were it's considered good songs. It's weird because like, lyrically they picked them, but like I yeah. I hope he speaks good English to understand, you know? <laughs> I think it's just like they probably played it loud enough for them to just like yeah, drive him like, out of the, like the building. Right. Yeah, it didn't matter what the but song But I, I,
0: I wonder think. if that choice of Wannabe by the Spice Girls was because like, oh, like this is such a shitty song or is because it's like a good pop song that they want to play?
1: God, I wish I knew more about this movie. Like in terms of like, <laughs> we wish we knew more I should say. But, like, I kind of wonder if that was the original song even played. What do you mean? Like, like if did that was the super... cast know that that was the song? Or maybe it was another song? Because that kind of feels like something like, oh, this is a really popular song at the time. Mm-hmm. Let's put it in here. But, like, the script might not have had that song. It might have been something even, like, sillier, you know? Because mm, yeah. it is the outlier of all the other music here. Yeah. So I don't know, it's a good question.
0: Well, that is a, that is a good point that it is the outlier of like the rest of the soundtrack cuz the rest of the soundtrack is like pretty good solid rock songs mm-hmm. and then you have then you have Spice Girls wannabe. It's just like silly. <laughs> yeah, it's just, like a total contrast. <laughs> there was a scene where when they transformed the Gwendy dolls into like their into this into the soldiers like mm-hmm all the Barbies, all the Gwandi dolls are basically stripped down to like military fatigue bikinis and their heads are shaved or their faces are mutilated and now they're programmed to basically kill the Gorgonites and Alan and Uh Kristen. (laughs) You seem to really love this. uh, What's that? The, uh, Gwendy dolls.
1: That's,
0: that, was my, that was like my favorite part of the movie, like when they started like <laughs> messing with the dolls. <laughs> <laughs> what would you think of the CGI overall? It was good. I thought the CGI held up very well for today as well, for today's standard, because I think it was a combination of puppeteering, mechanical puppeteers, and CGI. So it wasn't like pure CGI where they overused it. Yeah. And it's not like they used the CGI to do... Where the toys do like really crazy extravagant things. It's like they still moved like toys, they still acted like toys. So the CGI like there were a lot of shots where I couldn't tell whether if I was looking at a puppet mm-hmm. or a CGI. Which is which is good. I don't know. Like I think in I don't know in, in movie making they say like you don't want to overuse the whole CGI and because it becomes a crutch. You want to use it in a smart way. Where it's like it hides behind the actual like analog elements in the film rather than
1: this the whole entire scene becomes cgi itself yeah i thought it was such a cool blend now is it like 2020 cgi no and there are certain moments where you see that but they were able to blend and joe dante said it was like two-thirds cgi one-third puppetry they wanted more puppetry but they realized like it was actually cheaper and looked better with the CGI and I think today it definitely would look even better than this but you're right it never took me out of the film where I'm like right. you know, like we're like in a different world here i think it helps that the CGI is set against real backgrounds and stuff you know the plot of this film basically it's pretty simple the whole like beginning thing is kind of hilarious in terms of you know it's Jay Moore and David Cross and they're like toy designers and their company is bought out by like this just like conglomerate they fired everyone except the two of them. And, like, give me some ideas. And they say, like, let's let's feature the Commando Elite.
2: Forget about this battery's not included crap. We're going to stick in a lifetime Globotech lithium cell. Keep these things running forever. Don't piss off the guys that have ready.
0: Yeah. <laughs> hey, how's this for a slogan? The Commando Elite. Anything
2: else is just a toy. Everything else is just a toy.
0: That, that, that's good, too. Sure. Uh, sir, uh, you know, that kind of, a uh... Computing
1: power doesn't really seem feasible right now, and- and... Erwin, Erwin, we're members of the Globotech family. Surely we can hunt down that technology.
2: We can make missiles that can hunt down one unlucky bastard 7,000 miles away and stick a nuclear warhead right up his ass. I don't think we're gonna have a problem with this. Now, these guys are soldiers, right? And what do soldiers need?
0: Hats? Cam-cam-camouflage?
2: Miss Kegel? Enemies, sir. Enemies. See, these hideous, ugly freaks. These guys are the enemy, and our guys have to seek them out and vaporize them.
1: Well, no, they're not.
0: Uh, uh, sir? <laughs> um, don't you think that's uh, um, a bit violent?
2: Exactly, so don't call it violence. Call it action. Kids love action cells. Besides, what are you worried about? They're only toys. I can't believe this This is, this is wrong.
1: This is really wrong. I mean. You know, this is a a total perversion of everything I designed these Gorgonites
2: to be. Oh, but you can it, Erwin. Come on, this is a golden opportunity. If we pull this off, we will have Gil Mars eating out of our hands.
0: And by the way, gentlemen, Mr. Mars expects the product to be ready for shipment in
1: three months. Three months?
2: No, 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 no. It, it takes at least six
1: months. There's product testing and, and focus groups. Three, three, you know, three months is fine. You tell Mr. Morris in
0: three months everything will be fine. First, you know,
1: David Cross pitches the Gorgonites and he's like, eh, you know. <laughs> and he's like, great, you have access to my, you know, other things in this company, uh, but I need it in three months. So, like, Jay Moore can't remember his password, so he uses, like, David Cross's password, which is Gizmo, another Joe Dante reference from Gremlins, because um, that's like what the, like the lead Gremlins name or whatever. Okay. And he when he look when he searches the
0: micro the microprocessors, he goes like the search field was like Google, it was like state of the art <laughs> and like surplus. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 then it's like oh we
1: found it. <laughs> it was so easy, but yeah, whatever you know, it's plausible enough where I'm not like what the hell is going on? You know, yeah. Like, They order these chips and they put them in these figures and that's what ends up, you know, making both the Gorgonites and the Commando Elite intelligent. And the big thing is that they have the ability to learn. Now, they're originally designed for the military, but the, you know, the crux is the military didn't use them because, like, EMPs can destroy them easily. So once the enemy would figure them out, they're virtually useless. Computer chips are such a big deal in, like, the late 90s, that it also makes sense as well. We don't even say the term computer chip these right. days. But at the time, it was like, oh, a computer chip could do that. Great. I thought it was a kind of funny because um, Alan is running the toy store while his dad's away and like, one of these fucking Tony Robbins seminars at the airport. Like, are going to play it up enough, but that's like, what yeah. it is. <laughs> and that, like, delivery man who he's kind of, like, become friends with is, like, He has them in the truck, but it's like, oh, they're not set for release for a while, you Mm -hmm. know? It's like, why are they in the truck then? But I guess, like, stores were supposed to keep them and then release them, like, a couple days later. He buys them from him or whatever, puts them in the store. They end up rebelling. Hijinks ensue. That's our plot. Gorgonite's good. Commando Elite bad, which is great. A lot of one-liners later. We have our all attack scenes and stuff. A lot of action set pieces here. I was surprised at how long this movie was.
0: It gets extended when when they go on the motorcycle chase. Yeah, like oh, like so. There's a scene where all the commando elites they they take all the tools and and the lawnmowers and whatever they could find to make like mo- to make war machines that attacks people. And they start chasing Kirsten Dunst and Alan um, while they're trying to uh, get away on a moped. And then. Like during the chase scene, like they all die, right? They yeah. all, like, they all cra- all the commando elites crash and die and they burn. But miraculously, the chip hazard he <laughs> survives and he survives in front of a what is it, like a toy barn or no toy barn is the one from Toy Story, yeah. But it um, looks like, like that, right? yeah, like it's like a, like like a major, like, like a big box rest. toy store. Yeah. And then he recruits the rest of the commando elites to do a second wave attack. And I feel like that second wave scene was like i was like okay this movie's like really like is that over <laughs>
1: it would have worked more in the horror genre mm-hmm. it felt like more of a horror trope if that makes sense you know like you think you killed the bad guy but he's got to come back but in this it was like all right like they should just combined the ending of the commando elite eventually should have just been the ending originally mm-hmm. you know so it was a little long for my liking. But it's so funny how they just like wrapped it up at the end. It's like
0: at the climax, Alan kills Chip Hazard and when he's like on top of the
1: telephone pole. Yeah. Because he needs to do the EMP.
0: Right. So they have to blow up the telephone pole transformers to to send out an EMP destroy all the toys and he just grabs Chip Hazard and he goes you stupid toy and he just <laughs> smashes it into transformer and it, and it blows up <laughs> and then in and then the next scene Dennis Leary comes down he hands out the checks for all the damage that the toys have caused mm-hmm. and then Alan takes the Gorgonites to the woods and then puts them on the, the wooden ship I liked that, that I'm sorry it was good but it was like okay we gotta wrap this shit up right, yeah. real fast <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like they kind of wrote themselves in a, into a dead end and they wrapped yeah. it up
1: in like the last two minutes but i liked that like the Gorgonites survived by like staying under the satellite dish of phil hartman yeah (laughs) so crazy if you've never seen this movie and you're listening to this episode you're like what the fuck are they talking about (laughs) and then he has that you know the ship that's in the store and he lets them like sail off at yosemite national park to find gorgon so like these toys they have microprocessors that are obviously
0: too Powerful and intelligent for the purpose of toys. Mm-hmm. It's like it kind of reminds me of like the technology we have in our iPhones, because our, our iPhones are like, or our smartphones, they're like toys to us. Yeah, they can't be toys. They're like they could be toys for anybody, but now the the technology, it's becoming. I don't want to say self-aware, but it's
1: it's learning more sh- more things than we know. It's crazy because like the technology in our smartphones are a million times more advanced than the technology that sent people to the moon. Mm -hmm. You know, they say like a graphing calculator and what sent people to the moon have the same amount of technology. So it's like, yeah, it's crazy to think about. Yeah. It's just insane. And this movie, while again, it's not the greatest film in the world, it kind of fails in a lot of departments, but there is like this twinge of something that's like predicting where we are and, and, in a lot of fields, so I can't completely dismiss it. Um, now we don't see high school at all in this film. They are high schoolers. It's pretty clear. Can There's be, a high school romance dynamic. Yeah, like where I was Kirsten to say, Duns That's is, the biggest high school part. Yeah,
0: park. like Kirsten Dunst is dating the. I guess he's like
1: the typical football jock with yeah, the red guy, motorcycle. The older guys. He's yeah, like at the very least, a senior. He's like, come yeah. on, baby, you
0: can watch me practice. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly, and I think a lot of, like, the high school elements come from, like, the relationships with the parents, and equally just new kid in school, his relationship with Kirsten Dunst, Mm -hmm. him trying to, like, she's kind of a weird character, right, like, she's, she's not exactly, like, fleshed out, but she's very, like, she seems into him, but she has a boyfriend, it's very much, like, what a boy growing up would imagine a romance is like. I feel like the character she was playing as small soldiers. It was just like
0: foreshadowing all the characters she will play in fashion <laughs> movies. <laughs> just, just, just flip flopping between boi- between guys and, and and relationships. I'm even thinking of like Eternal Sunshine, like her you know? Star Wars. I mean, not Star Wars, Spider Man. Sorry, Spider Man. Yeah. yeah, it's like no, I like
1: Toby. No, I like James Franco. <laughs> it's like pick one. Oh, but, you know, Kirsten Dunst is going to be in a lot of films on this podcast. Uh, we haven't done bringing It On yet. That's, like, our big cheerleader film. But it was cool to uh, see her in this. And I don't know. You know, that's, like, the most high school element. But there's, like, there's still the awkwardness. There's still the... Uh... Do you remember when Alan's mother confronts Alan? Because
0: Alan's like, oh, like, these action figures, they talk. Like, they move on their own. And uh-huh. she goes, Alan, are you on Crank?
1: Yeah, Crank! And,
0: <laughs> and or... Um, Crystal meth. I was like, "What a weird choice of drugs for very 1998." But like, crank and crystal meth. I don't know. I would have expected like like dope or pot. You know, like no, that, that would have
1: like, that would have seemed more common, I guess. Like, common, um, like that age group. Is, like, crank, crystal meth. That was like totally a late '90s thing to like call drugs. Especially like that typical parent talk that you would see like on TV in the late '90s.
0: I might be wrong, but I never thought like crystal meth was popular among it wasn't teenage no, no, no. kids. I don't like, think it
1: ever was. I think it was more like the government and stuff scaring parents. Like okay, like, like these are the new drugs. <laughs> be aware. <you laughs> yeah. <know? laughs> um, anything else you want to mention about like Small Soldiers itself? Um, let me see. Cause I-, I, I knew when we were talking, there. it was going to be more about nostalgia rather than the scenes. Yeah, because I-, I say this a lot on the podcast. There's a couple types of high school movies, right? Of course there are high school movies for everyone, but there are high school movies for adults. Like BookSmart came out last year and I felt like that was a movie that it's great and I loved it, but it was more geared towards adults, not even high school students. So there's high school movies that are to high school students. Mm-hmm. And there's high school movies that are geared to kids. Mm-hmm. And they definitely pivoted this movie despite the PG thirteen rating to kids. This was distinctly a kid's film. I didn't feel like I I was, you know, getting a sense of puberty in this. Or even like, oh, this is really an adult film based on high schoolers. Yeah.
0: Like, imagine taking like, Platoon or
1: Apocalypse Now and (laughs) making a kid's cut for it. (laughs) And there are a lot of, like, lines from Platoon and Apocalypse Now and Full Metal Jacket in this, so uh, you know, there's stuff for the adults too, but ultimately this is a kid's film. So I knew we weren't going to have too much, like, Scene by scene analysis of this.
0: Yeah, like I think before rewatching this movie, I ha- I kind of had a I-, I had an expectation of like more about the movie itself and talking about like the actual scenes in the movie. But I feel like a lot of our dialogue revolved around the, the time that mm-hmm. around the movie that when the movie came out, like the late '90s, and what was
1: going on at that time. Part of the dumb again, like one-liner culture too. You know. Yeah. Like- let me throw this in. Let me throw that in. You know? <laughs> like the insane guy. Like some of his lines too are like okay. Like no, well, there's no way your microchip is like in tune to pop culture, but whatever.
0: I think this movie like took a lot of elements from previous movies, like ones that were directly involved with Joe Dante, like Gremlins, and then mm-hmm. you also have Toy Story, and then you also have the small little homages to like Patton and and the Vietnam War movie. So they it, they just borrowed a lot of lines and elements from. Previous movies that worked, and then they just they just placed it in this in this one package called Small Soldiers. Yeah,
1: it is what it is. I was yeah. happy watching it. it; wasn't like a slog to get through or anything. Mm-hmm. But you know, <laughs> in the end of the day, it's a nineteen ninety eight kids film. So there's a couple of awards I give out every week. And I don't know if they apply here, but you let me know if they Okay. First one, it's called the Wooderson Award. Um, I don't know if you've seen Dazed and Confused. I've uh, seen it before. Yeah, uh, that's Matthew McConaughey's character. And he originally was only supposed to be in, like, one scene. But he did such a good job that they, like, expanded his role. And I named the award this as, like... You ever watch a movie and you're like, oh, I'd like to know more about that character. I wish this person's role was expanded. Was there anyone in here who you found more interesting than, like, the principal cast?
0: It was there anybody in the movie that, like, I would want to see like more deeper of, into yeah. their... Yeah, like, Alan. I would have liked to see his, his uh, personal history a little more. Because they, <laughs> they, like, touched upon it. And that did set the tone for, like, his conflict with his family and his father. Yeah. So like what they explain is like oh like he did a little graffiti it's like you know I would have
1: would have liked to seen maybe a little more history in that it's rare that the main character wins this award but I totally get it in this film yeah <laughs> other other people I was gonna say like or the dad I, I want to know why he hates technology so much <laughs> yeah that's a good one too <laughs> you know what I almost would nominate everyone for this because the, the human characters aren't very fleshed out in this film mm-hmm. I, I was gonna say like I do like the um interplay between Jay Moore and David Cross. Yeah. We learn a lot about them, but I kind of want to know more about them too. I think you could almost pick any character in this film would be like, almost like to quote Starship Troopers, like, would you like to know more? Because like, we don't really get much. I like
0: how the, um, I forget her name. She's like the, I guess she's Dennis Leary's assistant. Her oh name my is. God.
1: you know her name? Miss Kegel. Yes, Miss Kegel. Which is so like, <laughs> this is the first time I watched this, and be like, oh my God. I didn't catch that at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Miss Kegel. I'd like that's, to know more. That's about like Kegel. South
0: Park. That's like South Park's new uh elementary school teacher. Her name is Miss Chokes
1: on Dicks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like early like season 1 or season 2 South Park like they had a lesbian teacher, she was Miss Ellen. You know, like <laughs>
0: It's like so in your face that yeah. it's so in your face that they could just get away with it. They're just not hiding anything. There's no sh- shame involved in for it. For a kid's movie. Yeah. <laughs> and that was like right after like Jay Moore's like, Well, there's some like benefit too to work yeah. here. And he's like he's obviously like looking at her as like a sexual object. He's like, Hi, and Miss Kegel.
1: <laughs> definitely again, definitely like a relic of what this original film was supposed to be. Next award I can give it as a long duck-dong award. Famously in *16 Candles*, Long Duck Dong is a terribly like racist character who probably could be deleted from the movie. So it's an award of like if you had to de- needed to delete someone from this movie, who's the most unnecessary character? Whether it be by like they don't fit in with the times or just like I don't need this person. Either way, is applicable.
0: Um, Kirsten Dunst. I wish she'd be wow. replaced with another girl. Wow. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I like Kirsten Maybe because Dunstler. I just
0: don't like her.
1: <laughs> wow. For what? What reason? What did Kirsten Dunst do to you? Um, she's just like really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think you're gonna offend a lot of listeners with that. <laughs> I
0: think she, I think she had like awesome performances and like, I don't know, like Virgin Suicides or or what else did she do? That's that's all I can think of Virgin Suicide, that's it. But I think her her role could have been easily replaced by by another girl, maybe a brunette.
1: Fair, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think that's her fault. <laughs> All right, the Cameron Fry Award. Famously, Alan Ruck played Cameron Fry in Ferris Blues Day, Day Off, and he was like 30 years old playing a high schooler. We don't see a lot of high schoolers here, so it's hard. Is there any person you see who's like way too old for their role? Way too old? Honestly, I don't think it really that, applies yeah, to this one. We only yeah. see two high schoolers, maybe yeah. three. Do you think the boyfriend looks too old for a high schooler? Oh, like, Kirsten yeah, like Kirsten Dunst's boyfriend? Kirsten no? Dunst's boyfriend. Maybe, but not really. Yeah, right? yeah. He could be a senior. So I don't think that applies so much in this film. But you could understand, in a lot of other films, you see like high schoolers with like, five o'clock shadows. And yeah. <laughs> but doesn't really apply here. So Rotten Tomatoes, um, the critics gave this 48%. The audience, 44%. So pretty much a flip of a coin film, as I'll say. You know, at High School Slumber Party, we rate things from A-plus to F. What will you rate Small Soldiers after this re re-walk,
0: um, I'll give it a B-minus.
1: Pretty, yeah, pretty good, pretty high. Yeah,
0: B-minus. I think it's still, the movie has a very, like, I don't want to, it hasn't reached, not at all, cult status. No. But there is still interest in it today. And I realized when I was doing my search on eBay, because people are still selling these toys. Crazy. People do want to make a remake. And I actually did find a petition online where <laughs> there's a petition online that people want Hasbro to revisit the, the action figure toy line and remake them again. You know. So like, like I think I it's said, I think it's definitely touched a
1: small group of people, small soldiers. We talk about that on a lot of episodes that, like, if you're a certain age group, everyone in that age group saw that film, but no one out of that age group saw that film. Curious what kind of um, range this film has. Like you and I are the same age, we watched this film, but I, I don't know if someone who didn't have kids in that era saw this film. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, look, toys, like I said, are bigger than ever. I wouldn't be surprised if they released like a kind of a nostalgia Small Soldiers line. It's something where. I know anyone in our age group, if we brought up at a party, they would know what we were talking about. Yeah.
0: Like, I think if we asked anybody in an age group, it's like, remember that movie, Small Soldiers? People would be like, yeah.
1: Like, and they would was- remember specific things. It wouldn't just be like, oh, yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. I think, like, not that you would, and you'd be probably the biggest loser at this party, but I think if you and I were <laughs> at a party, like in Brooklyn, and and, and I just went like, I am also emissary of the Gorgonites, I think it would get a good laugh. You know, yeah. like, I, I don't think it would be like... <laughs> <laughs> you know, would it wouldn't be lost on people, I think, like, in that crowd, like, a good amount of people would be like, ha ha, ha you know? Yeah, <laughs> they'll remember that.
0: I also looked up clips of Small Soldiers on YouTube, and, like, a lot of the comments were, like, really positive. They're like, oh, I remember this movie, I love this movie, and, like, it,
1: overall, the audience response was generally positive. Look, it was a great time to be a kid, you know, like, yeah. as we said, so I think that it, it hit a really nice sweet spot. I gave it a C plus, which, again, is close to a B-, minus. Yeah. still a decent grade. I think a lot of people seeing this would be like, oh, this is a, a dumb movie, whatever, but nostalgia kicked in when i saw this and i didn't have a bad time watching it it was it was fun would i like recommend it to a friend or like a film scholar no obviously no i
0: feel like it lacked a lot of value to it like as like a filmmaker if you're like a filmmaker (laughs) like a film like critic or whatever like and you're really into films and analyzing them and you know reading the deep stories within them it's like there's not much to it there isn't (laughs) there isn't isn't. (laughs) yeah that's why that's why when i watch i'm like Oh my god, like what am I gonna talk about? Like...
1: <laughs> <laughs> but you know, nostalgia kicked in. Yeah. Um, two more questions I have for you. Every week I ask my guests, like, if you had to have like a personalized small soldiers sleeping bag for the slumber party today, what would it look like? Oh, you know what?
0: I think it would it would have two different themes. Like one would be like a Gorgonite style and the other one would be like a commando elite. But it like I'm all about like products looking like authentic so it like if it was like a commando elite sleeping bag mm-hmm. like it wouldn't have like a a picture of like chip hazard like stitched into the sleeping bag like it would look like an actual like commando elite sleeping bag like like commando elite issued sleeping bag and it has like i don't know it's like weatherproof and it's got like a built-in knife sheet <laughs> into it that'd and, be cool and, and maybe like a like a row of stitching where it holds bullets. And, <laughs> I don't know, and, and if it was a Gorgonite sleeping bag, maybe it was like made out of like leather and it had like little tassels on it with like a dream catcher.
1: <laughs> yeah, like like you you mentioned the word steampunk before. Besides the fact that they're like fantasy animals, the Gorgonites are pretty steampunk. Especially like the one the guy they rebuild, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Since this is a kids' movie, this is one of the rare films we talk about that actually has a sleeping bag. I looked it up this is the this is a small soldier sleeping bag.
0: See, that's exactly what I don't want. <laughs> Where are the I'll picture of the G- social media. By the way, <laughs> we the picture of the actual alien or the Gorgonites, and the small soldier's logo is actually like printed on the sleeping bag. <laughs> no, it's like I want to I want a sleeping bag as if I were an actual Gorgonite yeah. or or a Commando oh. Elite. <laughs> I get it.
1: I get it. So, uh, last big question, really. I call this rent. Two movies get one free, and I know you experienced this because again, we grew up together. Rent two movies get one free? Yes. Okay. So if you and I were having a sleepover together, we walked into Blockbuster, we rented small soldiers for the slumber party, and we're like, hey, it says rent two movies, get one free. What other two movies are we renting? Oh my for, god! For this slumber party to watch. You're gonna have to give me some time on this. <laughs> and again, it could be even from today. Could you
0: know? oh, it could be like any movie during the period. Yeah, any movie ever. But um, just,
1: you, know, you remember those days when you yeah, yeah, like those,
0: those deals. Yeah. Oh
1: man, that's that's a really good question. Anything could be inspired by Small Soldiers, but it really doesn't matter.
0: Yeah, definitely a Vietnam War movie. Um, I'd say. I'd have to say Full Metal Jacket or Apocalypse Now. I think more Full Metal Jacket. I I really like. I think that's my favorite. Mm, I uh, love Full Metal um, Vietnam War movie. And then the free one would be. um, Wow, what would it be? I'm thinking like a like an alien movie or like a like something that would complement the commando elites, and (laughs) something that would complement the Gorgonites. I need help on this. What, what would what would complement the
1: Gorgonites? The Gorgonites, I'm not sure. Um, that's tough. Yeah, I mean you said Avatar before, but do you really want to watch Avatar? I don't know. No, I
0: wouldn't want. To, I wouldn't want to watch Avatar on top of Small Soldiers. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like I agree with you. Yeah, because it's <laughs> like Avatar is like Small Soldiers on steroids, basically.
1: Essentially. Yeah. Uh, you you can't add uh, Starship Troopers, which I mentioned before, because then they would have. Our good buddy Dan Ferrara, like this would be his slumber party, right? Like full metal jacket, small, (laughs) small. (laughs) But then again, like like Starship Troopers is like it's kind
0: of like small soldiers on steroids as well, yeah. (laughs) It's it's highly mechanized, like so technology advanced soldiers versus like versus primitive aliens. (laughs) It's got to be like like the Gorgonites always came off to me as like this like hippie ish, down to earth. Oh yeah, I am like. Like, I am one with nature, I am one with energy, sort of the collective of people. I don't know, like Dancing with the Wolves? <laughs> dancing with the Wolves? Sure. with the Wolves. So, Small Soldiers, followed by Full Metal Jacket, followed by Dancing with the Wolves. What a night that would be. That would be so interesting.
1: All right, I love it. All right, Dan Kim, this was a pleasure, you know. Thank you for having me. That was a lot of fun. You gave me a list. You'll definitely be on again. Yeah. If you want people to follow you, where can people follow you or find you? Um,
0: I have an Instagram. It's dank53, D-A-N-N-K-5-3 on Instagram. Awesome. Well, again, really appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you bringing these toys. Oh, yeah, of course. You could have them. You could uh, add them to your collection of of
1: uh, trinkets around the house <laughs> we have a lot of stuff around the house I think Mrs. High School Slumber Party might get angry if I bring more All right, stuff alright so you want, me to take, you want me to take these it's guys to you, home it's up to you I we'll can dis- take him home we'll discuss it after the pod alright sounds good <laughs> you, maybe we'll just split, like, yeah, we'll split them yeah let's split him. we'll decide that alright well thank you so much thank you big thank you to Danny Kim for being on that entertaining small soldiers podcast and you know I'll say it again I'm super proud of him We talked about it at the beginning of the show. We don't need to mention it again, but Time Magazine, definitely check out that article. And I can't wait to have him back on. I want to have him back on for a movie with a little bit more substance and less firepower, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) It still was really fun to talk about this movie. Anyway, Friday, we have another really fun and interesting podcast So if you've been listening for the last couple weeks, Kate Hudson, one of my favorite guests, she kind of has been booking herself on more and more episodes. When I say booking herself, we'll call it Drunk Kate Hudson because, you know, a little wine drunk. She was like, I'm doing this movie, I'm doing this movie, I'm doing this movie. We both have a bunch of free time, so we're knocking them out. And one of them is fear, or as she calls, Marky Mark in fear. (laughs)
2: Stop being so obvious. He wants you bad. You know, you're not at all like what I expect you to be the first time I saw you. How oh, so? You're just sweet. Dad, meet David McCall. Pleasure to meet you, sir. Same here, David. Nicole's curfew is 12 o'clock. All right. Hello? Yeah. You remember that song and dance about David in some perfect little town back east? Something like that. Well, guess again. He's got no family, no address, no work record. What's the big deal. The big deal, Laura, is that the guy gives me the creeps. And the girl is my daughter. This is all about David. There's something wrong with But your problem with David, not mine. He's Mom. not a good guy. Well, this is gonna stop. Tell me you need me. I need you, David. Natural! Steve. we friends. are practically family. The guy is a psychopath. Hey. Hey.
0: everybody wants but nobody has that's why they're trying to keep us
2: apart disappear from my family's life you got that guess who You should have allowed nature to take its course <laughs> in the end it will anyway mr walker you okay oh. so let me out go to court lock your door it's the phone's <laughs> dead
1: And if you're not ready for a wild Kate Hudson time, then I guess don't tune in on Friday. But I know you are, because it's always a blast. And we have another surprise for you. We have a second guest. If you remember, Kate and I talked about a film, Angus, in the 90s. A real sleeper film with an awesome soundtrack. Well, the star of Angus was Charlie Talbert. Long story short, and we'll explain it on Friday, we were all talking, yes, Kate Hudson, myself, and Charlie Talbert, and Kate invited him on for her episode on fear, and, oh my god, it's a great one, you want to check that out, Charlie Talbert, the star of Angus, and Kate Hudson, this Friday, fear. One more thing I wanted to add, if you did celebrate Easter over the weekend, happy Easter, if not, then happy weekend, I suppose. I know it was a little tough for some of us who couldn't see our family and couldn't participate in the normal traditions. Speaking of Easter and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, <laughs> I was actually on my good friend Kyle Reinfried's podcast, The Foodie Films Man himself. I was on Foodie Films with Mike Mansey, another guest of the show. And we talked about The Last Temptation of Christ, a good Easter movie. <laughs> so definitely check that out on cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me, the home of so many other great programming. So I leave you with today another song off the Small Soldier soundtrack, the one that Dan Kim said was his absolute favorite, and that's Cheap Trick, Surrender. Remember, guys, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. Later, dudes.